Welcome to the Heads and Bed Show, where we teach you how to get more properties, earn more revenue per property, and increase your occupancy. I'm your co-host, Conrad. And I'm your co-host, Paul. All right. Hey there, Paul. How's it going today? Good. How are you, Conrad? You good? Sorry, we missed a week. We are at a little hiatus there. Let's call it a vacation slash travel slash can't get things back on track, but glad to be back with you today. We are into April now by a decent margin, and you were sharing with me all kinds of fun things that you're excited about, including the watching your beloved Timberwolves explode a little bit and all kinds of fun stuff. But yeah, what's what's on your mind right now? What's going on? Yeah, it is. I mean, the, for the videos that I'll have on LinkedIn, maybe at some point, we'll see in the future. I'll post there again at some point. There's sun. We have very little snow. It's happy yeah. times. Now, we live at the bottom of a hill, so... Lake Manzi is about to flourish here as the rest of the snow in the neighborhood starts to come down. But no, it's it does feel like spring. We've had rain. It's one of those things that I like to be outside. I like to garden a little bit. So it's we're getting okay. to that time of year where that we're going to have a little bit of fun. But how about you? We just had Easter. Did you have anything, any fun celebrations, anything like that for you? Nothing, nothing too bad. Unfortunately, when our trip returned, part of the reason we couldn't get done last week is everybody got sick. So everyone's kind of better now. That's the good news. But yeah, it wasn't necessarily the most pleasing. It's a week off there coming back and then everybody getting some kind of illness. So it is what it is. But um, yeah, it's cold here. I don't know what happened. I don't complain too much when I talk with you about cold. (laughs) Cold's a lot better than me. But I thought we were out of it. And then I was watching like even the it was similar weather here as it was in Augusta this weekend. The Masters yeah. was this weekend as well. We were both watching that. Yeah. And that was brutal. Like the rain, the cold, it just went came out of nowhere. It went from 85 to 45 in the matter of a day or two. So hopefully that's like the last little cough of the system here. And we've, we'll get into the good stuff. <laughs> I hope so. That's it's. I think that we're at 50. I think we're going to hit the 70s this week. That's it's. Oh, it'll be well done. That, that is. I'm, I'm just waiting for a couple days where we can we've got a nice little backyard so just to be able to go out there and not slosh through (laughs) the snow ish a little bit of ice a little bit of green grass a little bit a lot of brown grass a lot of mud (laughs) from the dog right now so it's an adventure every time we go outside but that's spring in minnesota i'm used to that so (laughs) yeah you know what else is an adventure trying to keep up with all this marketing news going on i don't know if we missed a ton while we were gone other than just i don't know more ai stuff there's always more going on there the core update continue to roll out anything have your attention over the past few weeks as far as like marketing news and notes and updates it is i think it it's it's all the AI stuff certainly core update continues to I think it just wrapped up in the last maybe the end of last week so I is keep an eye on those numbers certainly I think that's important but I is key try to keep up with as much of the AI stuff I, I think my focus the last week or so was more on the image side of things just mm-hmm. how incredible some of those some of the mid journey and some of the other digital AI created imagery has been and to see some of the prompts that people are putting in and what they're getting out is pretty incredible yeah I think that's every week now for us. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I wanted to slide in here as well, I'll put a link in the show notes to this too, is uh, Google is getting rid of some of the attribution models that you yes, use. So yes. I was a big, I was a big position based. I like the 40% credit at the end, 40% at the beginning, and then the rest spread out in the middle. And those are going to go away July of 2023. So the new default, this all kind of coincides a little yep. bit with the GA4 thing, which we will do a future episode on, by the way. Yep. Um, but yeah, keeping an eye out for that. A lot of our clients forwarded those emails over to us in the past few weeks around, hey, do I need to change anything? And the answer is no, there's not much you can change. These models are just going away. They're just letting you know that they are going away. And right. we just kind of have to roll with this new data-driven attribution. Like I said, I'll put a link in the chat for people to explore that further. I don't know if you saw that as well. Yes, I did. That that was, it is, I think we, the, the emails have been moving over. We're switching you over 
you don't right. have to worry about it. It's, and I think that as always, everybody's concerned, do I really have to worry about it? Is Google doing another bait and switch on us? Yeah, I would agree. It was always nice to be able to compare the attribution models. I, it, even if you were, I love the beta project that they were doing at one point where you could be able to easily synthesize all of your channels by source medium and to be able right. to compare by different attribution models just to see. I think especially on the booking side of things, there's a lot of touch points there. And to be able to really draw that back to you can do it with the multi-touch conversion, although I'm, I don't know where that report is going either in the G4 model. I Oh, I have so many concerns, but that's another episode for another day that we will worry about at that point, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It will. It's, I guess the challenging part from a data perspective is like, why? Okay. Google's moving to a new product. It works in these better ways, these three better ways. Okay. All understandable sure. things in some respect, but yeah, the part that does have me frustrated, even though I do some things about GA4, it's hard for me to say that, but that has been the case is like, why are you taking away things that I use all the time? And that's the frustrating part a little bit there too. And this is one such example of that getting rid of these um, different models or way of looking at how conversions occur. If you're not familiar with those, it's basically just the fact that people don't come in and just click on your website and book right away, right? There's the owner side, it could be months, but even on the yeah. guest side, it could be days or weeks of someone coming in. I looked at an example the other day in the old multi-channel funnel report, mm -hmm. that of course, is going to be going away here in a few months. And it was a person who went to the website 52 times before they booked. <laughs> and that's like not that uncommon, like that no. does happen. And that's, that's going away a little bit. So what, who the heck, what channel, what marketing activity do you give credit to in that scenario? I can't even begin to fathom in my head. And I think at one point they clicked on an email, a social post. I don't think they came in on PPC. That, that's my memory. But uh, they did come in off organic multiple times, multiple direct visits, and then they came in and booked eventually. It was like a $10,000 booking, but it took three weeks and 52 visits to actually get them to click the button. That was awesome. Always my favorite visualization in Google Analytics, like on, especially on the booking side. It, it, not, it's not, just Look not, it's pretty not the same numbers on, on the owner side, but on the booking side of things, to be able to see a million dollars in revenue come through and to be able to break that down and see, holy cow. Yeah, some people came directly to, probably in a branded search or something like that, but a lot of people are taking 20, 30. The, between the time lag, the 50 days, or the 50 touch points along the way, or 30, 40 touch points, direct and then buy those emails and then social posts. It's, it is incredible to see those customer journeys. And I, I do, I hope that we can create that same visualization uh, within G4. I, I would expect to be able to, but I don't know. It's, it is, mm -hmm. that's, those, those are the things that I, and I think it is I, probably our homework in the meantime, as we're getting ready to do that G4 turnover is look at ways that we can help people visualize that data that they're going to be missing initially when they make the switch. Yeah, exactly. So we'll definitely cross that bridge when we get to it. The bridge is coming up. We can maybe see it there in the, the horizon. It's not like, oh yeah, you'll get there eventually but it feels a little bit closer yeah one thing we also try to help clients communicate a little bit more switching gears a little bit is this idea of seo audits so our topic today is kind of like i don't know exactly i don't know the exact title at this moment in time obviously you'll come up with one when we put in there but the working title i put in my notes a little bit is i have an automated seo audit what do i do with it it's like premise that i'm thinking of here so this happens this has always happened this isn't a new thing these tools have been out for years at this point but we were you and i were talking before we hit record around the fact that there's a lot of seo companies out there some reputable and know our industry well just randomly out there spraying and praying proposals or spam mm, or yeah. like trying to get a contract or something and it's hey we crawled your website and we found all these problems and we're going to let you know about it in this PDF document. And we joked a little bit before we hit record about how frustrating it is to deal with these documents because 
they are often nitpicking at things that really don't matter at all. I mean, the property management equivalent of this would be a competing property management company driving by perhaps one a property that you take care of and them saying there's a single piece of grass that has fallen <laughs> and is sitting in the middle of the driveway. Yeah. How dare you? Like, How dare you? That's basically the level of detail that some of these automated SEO audits dig into. So I thought we'd spend just a few minutes today talking about, okay, we also shared a little bit that we were empathetic to the property Correct. manager on the other side who's saying, who's getting this report and saying, this thing says there's a bunch of problems. Don't you trust this thing? What's wrong with you guys? Are you even paying attention? And so on. So it's a valid discussion. We wanted to dive into a little bit of both sides of the equation, what matters, what makes an impact, what doesn't, so that we're not worrying about a single piece of grass in the middle of the driveway, perhaps, and instead of focusing on the fact that like the house is in good condition and it's clean and the door unlocks and the things that really matter and maybe not so much the little tiny pieces that don't matter, but paint that context around SEO and the actual technical makeup of a website and how important or not important some of these things actually are. I guess maybe high level your experience with these automated SEO audits, are they a good thing or are they a bad thing? Or are they just a tool that can be wielded in both good and bad ways? I, I think that's probably the best description. It's I think it, if you know how to use them effectively, yeah, sure, they can be good. I think it's understanding what the levels of concern that you have to have. And I think every, you, you, there's not a lot of context for someone for, again, if you're a novice on the web website side of things and you don't know what is a problem, what is it? And I don't expect a lot of the professional managers to be web experts behind the scenes who are, who really know what's a bad error, what's a good error, what's okay, what's acceptable. And it is, I think, yes, there's, I'm, looking at an audit right now for a site that has 20,000 warnings on it and 1,200 notices and 300 errors. And I'm not that concerned about it because again, you can highlight a lot of areas here. You can highlight a lot of things that, yeah, maybe could help at that little 1%. But it, a lot of the a lot of the things that can be seen in some of these site audits are have very little impact on the overall performance of the website or the overall performance within the actual organic placements or SEO side of things. So I think audits are a better, vis they're a better visual to be able to track. Again, certainly if you're starting with an audit and then working towards certain action items, yeah, that's a good way to use an audit. But I don't think that's how they're being used in a lot of cases. I think that most yeah. of the point it is, it's to try to attack. I remember someone who, who who literally fielding one of those, again, back on the traveler side, in Broken Bow, and they had gone by and they had snapshot. First of all, they had taken pictures of the property, the signs and everything like that. And then they went through and did a, some search, random searches and said, where are you here and where are you there? And then presented a, a site audit with all of these errors. I'm like, okay, sure, where are you for those? But it is, you can paint a really terrible picture with some of these tools, or you can paint a really great picture and give some great visibility to what the perceived performance of the site is. I think that's the other side of things. You use Ahrefs, you use SEMrush, you use any of these tools. Everything is on their own scale. Moz, the domain, Moz domain ranking. That's, it's great, but what factors in there? Is it universal? Is it something that SEMrush has their own or they, that's the other question out there of if you run in this same site through the same audit or through three different audits for three different products what does it give you across any of those products so i i have some thoughts on this one certainly it is i think it's it's it is it's just too often yield wielded as a sword just something that you can just 
poke holes at. And right. I think that's silly. That was the that was kind of the context. And that's what made me want to bring it up today is it was used as a sword by a competing agency. And look, I put out a post on LinkedIn a while ago about this. And I'm like, compete with us. That's fine. This is, hey, I'm a capitalist, baby. Like, <laughs> you want to go compete with us and offer a better service yeah. or pitch our clients. I think that's fair game. So if they want to use these tools to do nothing I can say or do is going to stop someone from doing that's for sure. However, I do think they often frame it in a very misleading way. And that's kind of the frustrating part. What I dislike, and I talked about in that post previously was that people who market through FUD, which is fear, uncertainty and doubt. And they're oh, like, these are things that are their problems, they're causing fundamental flaws in your website. And I was likening it previously before I did my analogy of the single piece of grass in the driveway as like the equivalent of what these issues are to like your car. If you turn out your car, and there was like 87 check engine lights going on, you'd be pretty concerned. You'd be like, am I even yeah, gonna be able to get where right. I need to go? Whereas so it's almost like the tool makers themselves, Ahrefs, Semrush, etc, like you described, make the tools look in a way where you do want to pay attention to them because we're drawn right. to the idea that there's a problem or there's an error inside of our website or inside of our business or something like that. It's something that we want to plug up and fix. So there's even like some psychology behind the way that these reports actually work. But the mechanics matter, I would argue, a lot more than the mm -hmm. psychology. And like you said a minute ago, the thing that ultimately matters is the results. So this is actually one of my page speed things, but I'll bring it up here because sometimes these reports yeah. will cover page speed issues. <clears throat> and it's my classic, go into Google in a competitive market, put in the top local ranking website that's not VRBO, Airbnb, et cetera, who's on the first page, and run them through one of these audit tools. And what you'll often discover is that they have SEO issues <laughs> popping up, or they have mediocre or not great page speed numbers coming in. And yet somehow they're ranking on the top of Google. So there must be something else right. that play, i.e. what we believe and what we've proven to be the case, I think now over and over again, which is that it's really about content on page SEO and links. If you're doing those three things well, maybe there's little other tiny pieces that you might have missed along the way, but those are the pillars that actually move you forward. So when you're getting an SEO audit, if ever if someone ever got an SEO audit like this and it was done this way, I would have a lot more admiration for the fact that they're pitching our client. But if I was <laughs> trying to fry a client away from a competitor, I would do something a little bit more like this. We don't do a lot of this type of cold out outbound, by the way. We get typically plenty of inbound enough where we don't have to. But if I was going to do it, right. this is how I would approach it. And it would be, here's the content they're posting. Here's why it's suboptimal and why I'm saying that. So in this example, it would be like us running a grade, a clear scope report on your things to do page, and then me putting your content in there and then saying, hey, right. you did a things to do page about Destin, Florida, but you didn't include these 10 subtopics. That's like a very legitimate use case for yep. using a tool to aid your understanding or your comprehension of how a site works, running it through like the automated SEM report, which is what this particular client happened to get. And then it notating the fact that somewhere there's a button that doesn't have like it's an image and it doesn't have alt text on it. It's just such a silly, it's just such a silly non nothing burger, if you will, in terms of like things yeah. that actually matter on the site. And I would bet my bottom dollar and I bet my bank account that this SEO agency that's sending out these reports and using this FUD to try to get people to come over their way isn't actually going and fixing those things if that person were to sign up, not at that level of detail. Maybe they do what we do, which is they fix the things that actually matter and they let the, the bygones be bygones or they let the small issues fall to the bottom. But I would be, I would bet my bank account that we could put their site or one of their case study sites into one of these tools <laughs> right. and find dozens, if not hundreds of errors popping up. There's so like putting this in air quotes that most people can't see. Right. Errors that really don't move the needles. And that's like our high level, I think, frustration from these things is that it's always done with the frame of, like you said, using it as a weapon, trying to make you look bad if you're the current SEO provider, or honestly, just trying to scare the client. It's not really done in like the best interest of the client or what's optimal no. for them. It's done in the best interest of, let me try to sell you something, usually on the other end of it. And the just to add a delightful a twist of irony, many times, not in this case, the person wielding the report doesn't even understand it. So they can't even tell you like what the actual <laughs> problems are. It's of the report itself. So if a savvy SEO is sending this report and trying to like scare you a little bit, again, I might have a modicum more mm -hmm. a shred of respect for that tactic, although I think it's a poor one. But the fact that they put like a rookie salesperson on the phone with these yeah. people, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, man, we got a hundred issues. We got to fix them. And they couldn't even explain to you one issue and what it actually means is really just like the piece of the, whatever the cherry on top, if you will, of the crap Sunday that is these automated SEO audit strategies. And it is. So I will tell an anecdote on this one because this is, sure. we essentially had white labeled to larger, larger manager an SEO package that was <clears throat> two hours a month meeting with me about SEO. And I did, I generated these extensive 250 page reports, really <laughs> a lot of data in there. And we went through them painstakingly. So here's something, this is how I know that a lot of this is just like, we did, we set goals. We, that's the way we got a value out of it because mm -hmm. it is, I can talk SEO with the best of them, I think, but holy cow, I was pulling out a lot of hairs trying to stretch just the amount of time and discussion because it is, but I think we would both acknowledge SEO is just not that action driven a process where I, it probably would have been more beneficial in some cases for me to take that two hours, write some content, get some backlinks yeah. or something like that, <laughs> as opposed to actually meeting with them and trying to talk about, talk through these extensive reports that said page speeds about, it's about two and a half seconds here, could be two seconds, which would give you a lift from notices to warning, warnings to notice. It's uh, it is, it's wild. So I do, I think that's where the nature of some of these reports, I think even that's it is, that's where at least they do, they try to well, program you a little bit into, you've got your high level errors, you've got your warnings, the stuff right. that made happen. You got your notices. So they try to color code it, I would say, to make people understand what really needs to, to happen. But then it is, it's, it's, the other side of that is, is who is going to take care of it? So you've got 300 errors on the site. Are you going right. to fix those 300 errors? Because my assumption in after you've done this site audit, you're going to send me over, you've sold me on your services. You better be able to run that exact same audit in six months or three months or nine months or whenever that is. And I should see zero errors or I should see whatever, an acceptable level of errors, a margin of error for errors. That's not going to happen. And I think that is, and you, and you addressed it right away there, is that who's actually going to take care of this? Because if you've got, I think we would acknowledge, and it gets down to the, what data is making up these reports? Again, you run that right. same site through a different report, a different audit. Are you seeing the same errors? Or again, do I have to run a different audit to give you the right number of errors? Because it's just... We're all still, and even if you're custom deving something, just to, to be completely optimized for SEMrush or Ahrefs or whatever it is, it's going to change. The algorithm they use is going to change. Something like that. Don't be, and I think that's the other side of it, is don't become like hostage to these audits because they're not ultimately going to, it is unless they're, the actions you're taking from the audits are driving better performance. And we can't say that certainly because there's other things we're doing behind the scenes as well. Yeah, it is. It's very right. difficult to say one-to-one, -one, okay, I made this change. Yeah, if you clean up some 404s and some server errors, you're going to make some improvements on your overall performance. But most people don't have those type of fundamental errors, I think. That's where these errors, even if they're high-level errors, how many of them actually can move the lever? A handful? A dozen? Maybe. Yeah. Again, if it's worse than that, maybe then you do have some bigger problems and that's something that needs to be addressed, but I don't yeah, know. I brought up, I brought it to that point. I brought up our SEO spreadsheet audit, which is okay. These are the things that matter. And there is actually 152 lines total in this spreadsheet. However, about a third of them are like notes and things like that. So if I were to actually count the issues that we check, 
Um, I think it's on the order of maybe 100 issues that we might check. And these are all manual checks. Some of them take a second. Some are a little bit more in depth. But like these are the things that matter. So I thought I'd maybe go over this really quickly. Just the category yeah. names. I won't go through every single individual item. We'd be here <laughs> all day. But also, I also believe that the work, and I always share this with clients who reach out and are interested in us doing this project for them to do any kind of technical SEO only project for them. I believe that the value of the work is us doing the audit. So I don't mind giving away this template for free. So if you email me, yep. Conrad, C-O-N-R-A-D at buildupbookings.com, I'll give you a blank version of this template for free because there's nothing in here, I believe, that's particularly proprietary or anything like that. I think the value in doing this is, in fact, going through and looking at the issues. And then, like you said a second ago, the most important thing is correcting the issues, not just flagging them. Right. There's a lot of SEO companies out there that I think will do that kind of work for you. Actually, they will do an audit. There's people that do this for a living. They do audits for a living. And then they just hand a document over and they say, okay, your dev team will fix it. You can hire me again if you want me to look again once you fixed it. But that's essentially the scope of their engagement. And very few clients in the short-term rental vacational space have a dev team that they could even hand this thing off to in the first place. So right. generally, my frame on this is that it's better to fix 60, 70% of the actual you know issues than to fix some other percentage of the issues that you can't actually do anything about. So knowing that there's a problem and it's in a spreadsheet somewhere, but not actually doing anything to correct it is probably a waste of time and energy. Right. So the things that we focus on, we look for, is the site crawlable and accessible? So those are things like, you know, is the site actually you know, up and indexed in Google? These sound like simple things, but you'd be surprised how often we find problems. Is there a bunch of broken pages? Is there is there a way for Google to find new pages? AKA, is it submitted in Search Console? Do we have a sitemap? Do we have a robots.txt file that's not blocking Google? These all sound like simple things, but that's the first thing we check, which is basically, is this accessible? Is this findable? The next thing we check is just around like sitemaps, basically. So it's just, are we submitting all the right pages to Google? Do we have a sitemap in there? Do we have a separate sitemap for images? Do we not have a separate sitemap for images? Um, how are we submitting it? And is Google accepting the fact that we're submitting those pages? So that's most of section two. Then we dive into like edge case kind of examples. So this don't, doesn't come up a lot. In fact, I would say 90% of SEO audits we do, this section is completely blank. But does the site have subdomains that can complicate yep. things quite a bit if they do? So yep. if that were the case, we'd want to take a peek at that. Is there any other <clears throat> weird like architecture issues that I should be aware of or multiple domains or multiple subdomains. There's a whole section there on that. Then we get into more of the, I would say the semantics of like how the site's actually put together. So is there breadcrumbs available on the site? Does that work? How do the URL structure of the site work? Is there folders? Is there not subfolders? Is it more of a flat site where everything is just domain.com slash URL? Or is there more of a structure to the site where it's domain.com slash you know, rentals slash property name or domain.com slash search slash pet friendly rentals mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. So we go through that. We have different layers on that, which again, if you're interested, I can send this over to you. Are the URLs themselves SEO friendly? This came up a few times recently with an SEO audit that we did where the URLs were not really, they were all smushed together. Like they weren't actually using delimiters, like little dashes in the uh, URLs. Some were very long. They had a bunch of like ugly words in them and they were just hard to clean up. So that was, that's a key part, I think, of things that, you know, matter. And the funny part, I've tweeted this a long time ago. I could try to dig out the tweet and put it in the show notes, but just I'll rephrase it and you'll understand where I'm coming from, which is that the, all the things we've talked about so far in this SEO audit are checking, not necessarily if something is just binary there or not there, but it's also how well is it working? So right, I, right. My, my tweet that I shared a while ago was basically the gist of it was checking to see if a title tag is 80 characters or not is something that a computer can do pretty well. Hey, this title tag is or is not between mm -hmm. 60 and 80 characters, let's say. Checking if the title tag is set up correctly is actually kind of hard to do with a computer. It's possible, like it's possible some of these audits tools to know a little bit about it. But for example, it may not know that if more people in this market search cabin rentals versus vacation rentals, right. 
that your title tag and what you're actually going after should say Gatlinburg cabin rentals, not mm-hmm. Gatlinburg vacation rentals, mm-hmm. because one gets 30,000 searches a month and one gets <laughs> 2,000 searches a month. If we were optimizing for the vacation rentals keyword, we could probably pass an SEO audit or SEO tool on that keyword. The trouble is that's the wrong keyword to focus on if you're right. in Gatlinburg. You want to focus on the cabin rental keyword because that's what has volume. So that's the nuance. That, like I think we're a little ways in, but that's the nuance that I wanted to get at here a little bit, which is that a computer may not know like your strategy. Automated crawl from right. SEMrush may not know what key you're going after and why they may not know that you want to include the brand at the end of every single name of your at the end of every title tag and your brand happens to be long because you're called conrad school cabin rentals or something like that so it's really challenging and thought impossible to actually fit your keyword plus the brand in a you know 60 character limit or something like that but does that mean that you're going to get rid of your brand or your keyword probably not because you want both those things inside of it so again everything and i'll keep going just talking about it because it touches on the next few things but the next piece in there is after urls is about like titles metas and headings so the actual mechanics of the way the page is put together do we have an h1 how does that look are those set up correctly for success do we have additional structure on the page for let's say a blog post do we then show h2 h3 h4 do we have a title on the page is it rendering properly again is it not just over a certain character account, but is it set up correctly? Are we going yep. after the right keyword? Those are all really important considerations. Some sites that we spend the most time on that section, just going through the the metadata to make sure it's actually firing correctly. And most importantly, going forward, it's going to continue to fire correctly. Also, I have notes in here on the page content itself. Is it, can Google access it? Are they having any issues with it? Structured data, are things in good shape there? Mm-hmm. Then we get into some smaller pieces, but are the images themselves SEO friendly? This is where I think you get into things that don't always necessarily matter, but just make sure we're not uploading 50 megabyte images. That happens sometimes. <laughs> so we have oh, a yeah. check in here for, are the images ideally 150 kilobytes or less? Mm-hmm. We see this quite a bit with some of these PMS template websites where the photographer oh, okay. sends the property photos, property manager uploads them straight into yep. pick your PMS of choice, doesn't matter. Right. And they're 30 megabyte images and it's oh my god that's terrible so that's again the kind of thing that might be flagged on a seo audit somewhere but the actual work is going in compressing in some cases we've had to compress a thousand images resize them and then re-upload them into the pms that takes forever but it's a worthy seo tactic for sure is there alt text it's a small thing it can help if it's possible to do sometimes we have tools that can be at our disposal like rank math actually has an sort of an auto alt text tool based on the caption the photo and things like that there's probably some ai solutions around the corner where this might be a little bit easier but that's something that we check then once the site's live do we have any duplicate content issues do we have any social sharing issues so does the page have the right tags for open graph things like that link issues search console uh, we do a check there a sweep of everything there everything indexed and then our bottom section is on page speed sorry that was a very long diatribe and i gave a few examples throughout the path there but i wanted to share with you like i'm imagining someone listening going okay you guys told us what not to focus on what should you focus on and i think it's the things that are inside of our audit and by the way to be clear we will run hrefs audit sites on our own client sites and it will give a score it gives a percentage score of here's how healthy the site is zero percent being terrible and 100 percent being perfect and it will flag it'll flag things for us that we go in there and look at so we're not like all automated seo audits bad all manual checks good i think there's a blend of when you want to use the automated check versus a more manual check depending on a site migration is it's a great time to go do a manual check when when the client's new we do a a larger manual check and so on like day-to-day it may not make as much of a difference but those are the things that i focus on so anything that i miss there or things that you think are important too or what are your thoughts there no i think it is I, I, those are and then the other side of the, those are actionable i think that's the other side is whenever you do look at these audits is what is actionable and what's going to take a, a lot of cost i mean like a technical cost or I mean, if, it is, if it takes 10 hours of a web services company's time or it takes the like is that worth it? It is. What, what is the value? Uh, like it is. I think that's something, especially as there is. There's more support t- costs tied to support hours and things like that, which I'm not gonna fault anybody for doing that for getting the value on what they're doing. But 
it is. If it's going to take 10 hours or 15 hours of development work or something like that to make a very small impact on the overall SEO of the site, what does that really, what does that trade-off look like? Is that something you can invest somewhere else? And it is, that's where knowing, I think making sure that you're, you are trying to do some due diligence where if you're talking to that salesperson and asking maybe a couple of questions that we're bringing up here, Conrad has a great, that was a great checklist of some of those small questions that you can ask. You can peel a few off of that, but it, I, I, that's going to that next level of who is going to really respond to and having a much better playbook of, okay, yeah, you've identified 300 errors and my site score is 50%. Okay, cool. But what's the goal for me then? Is it to get to 75%? Is it to reduce it to 100 years? Like, like I, as with anything that we're doing strategically, it's setting those expectations of what is good, what is acceptable. And I think that's where audits do nothing <laughs> from that. And that's where the, it is. That manual audit is so critical in saying, yep, we, we took the site audit we've got here. And then we're going to look in and try view all these things, review all these things, take them down to that next level. Wonderful. This is what's really impacting you, though. So I do think that it is. These are the these are <clears throat> it is. I don't want to be anti tools. These the automated tools are they there's value there. There's it's just understanding what it's actually telling you. And if that does mean that you're bringing that to someone else, I think it is. I think additionally, the web services companies that are receiving these audits and are saying, okay, these are the errors. Yeah, we can take care of that for you. Yeah, we can take care of that for you. It's not, I think it is. You should be very receptive to making these changes and saying, not even trying to spin it of, we do have your, we do have your back. We're watching out for you. It's not, that's not the issue here. It's that impactful, the impact that these have on the actual site, give a true rank there. So I think that we can all learn from these, but this, it's not a red flag. It's, perceive it how proceed with caution don't be so scared that your site is going to break or you're going to lose your booking engine or you're going to lose something like that that's not going to happen again unless it is something so egregious that i don't know i can't even think of a good example where i've seen anything so egregious that i would say Oh my goodness! You need you like you have malware on your site that you got hacked somewhere along the line. That that's the only thing I can think of is that someone has disregarded manual action items from Search Console that we've talked about a couple of weeks. Is there? That's it. So there is. There's nothing on a site audit that should really like scare the living bejesus out of you there. But I, I think there's just there are some items that if you're prioritizing those, regardless of be an audit or just your checks or your initial build or your initial launching of a new website, you'll be in good shape. I, while you were talking, I was remember, I was recalling the, I think it's called the triple constraint of project management. And it's basically this triangle and it's scope, cost, and time. People may use different terminology to describe this, but it's basically what's the scope of our engagement or of our project? What's the cost, like the actual dollar cost or like human cost? It could be hours, time, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then how long is it going to take to actually do the thing that we're trying to do? And I think the trouble with a lot of these SEO audits that we're just talking about here is that they just completely, they pretend this doesn't exist. They're like, oh, we can fix every issue because we have an unlimited <laughs> scope. We have an unlimited right. amount of time or a, a finite amount of time to fix this problem. And we can spend as much as we want to fix it. And of course, that's not the real world. That I don't right. know what fantasy land that person lives in, but it's not the one that I live in where we have to consider all these things. So that's the thing. There's fundamental flaws on our website. Go to buildabookings.com and you might yeah. find a little flaw here and there. But we seem to rank pretty well when you search like vacation rental SEO. And like all these other <laughs> competitors are going after the same keyword. Who don't? We don't have use footer websites 
links on websites, just as a little nudge there. But uh, it's one of those things where when you're focused on the the right the things that matter right like in this case like if it's the content itself if it's the like you were saying the on-page structure we're going after the right keywords we're building links those are the boulders that like you need to push forward to get the rock from wherever it is over to where it needs to be the the little seo issues we're talking about here are the grains of sand that you might encounter (laughs) as you're pushing that boulder from where it is to where it needs to be and then there's probably like mid-size issues that are like rocks the size of a basketball or rocks the size of a golf ball or something like that might Mm -hmm. get in your way where you might need to occasionally move them so you can keep pushing your boulder but the boulders of on-page seo and researching the right keywords and building high quality links to your website and actually formatting the content into your website those are the big things you actually need to push forward a lot of this other stuff is really just that whatever analogy we want to draw whether it's the single grade of the grass one because it reminds me of what a property manager might yeah. think of as an unreasonable request from a guest, right? Oh, there was a, there was a tiny bit of grass left in the driveway when your guys came by and cut the lawn. And there's people that would complain about that. That's what we're talking about here, right? It's yeah. just a non-factor. They could be in a 10-bedroom luxury oceanfront house. And if someone's picking at that, I think they're focused on the wrong things. Sure, in a perfect world of time, scope, and cost, the lawn care company would go in with a vacuum and clean up all the little <laughs> grass bits so that there was nothing there. And yeah, in a perfect world of a client, if they ever gave us that, haven't encountered this client yet, who gave us unlimited cost and said, I'll spend whatever it takes. I want to get 100 out of 100. I'll text every single menu button, go through every little thing. Then sure, I'll do it. We'll do anything for the right amount of money. I would tell the person that's stupid. It doesn't make sense. But if they wanted to, I would do it for the right the right approach there. But it's not optimal. I think that's ultimately to come back to the reason that we get a little bit, it grades our, grades, grinds our gears a little bit, if yeah. you will, is that these some of these solutions are focusing on things that are completely suboptimal and mm-hmm. it's not going to lead to a better outcome to you the client and most of the clients we work with are looking for the right outcome and the right outcome is usually getting more traffic getting better rankings on the keywords that matter getting more direct bookings and actually impacting their bottom line so much of this is just non-bottom line impact right. makeup and stuff that really just doesn't matter and that's where it just can get a little bit frustrating when you're doing the right thing and you're moving the boulders forward and you've got someone yelling at you about a grain of sand that's somehow between there and where you need to go that's uh, that's my high level thoughts on it I I plan to send this episode, by the way, if you made it this far, it might be because I sent this to you and you're either a current <laughs> client or you're thinking about becoming a client. And it's hopefully my friendly way of saying, not ignore this, but here's the reason, here's the way that we should think about this report. So if you get this report and mm-hmm. you've listened to this episode and you are a current client or someone that's considering it, hopefully you understand that there's some nuance to this. There's some layers of complexity here. A little, and certainly technical SEO health is like a top priority for us internally when we're working with a client on an SEO retainer. But it's something that we always place in the context of scope, time and budget, all those things. And we also place in the context of what's going to move the needle and we're fine letting a report say that we have a few issues here and there when we're looking at the numbers go in the right direction we're looking at traffic grow we're looking at rankings get better we're looking at a client that's making more money those are the things that we're a lot more focused on than a random menu button not having an alt text on Yeah. What else? Did we miss anything? Or should we put a button on this one? And hopefully this was a friendlier rant than some of our other ones that we've had before. I think we didn't go too dark. I, mean, I think that's good. We probably have to shift that a little bit here. We can't be the nice guys, but no, yeah. I think this is it. And we've got next week coming up. And then I think we've got, we've got our rent responsibly presentation webinar coming up too. So that'll yes. be... Now that's, we'll drop a little plug for that right here. Just making sure that anybody who is listening, try to catch those webinars. Those should be exciting and enjoyable. And I think the theme and topics are related to sustainability. So obviously that's important in the space right now. Yeah. If you're listening to this in April of 2023, just to get the data over your way. And a lot of people do listen the first month or so. So that'll be valuable. In eight days as of us recording this. So April 18th and 19th, 2023, please do join us for the Rent Responsibly Summit. It's called People, Places, Planet. I think that's a great name. And we have a session, live session that we're recording at that time. We have a bunch of different topics and it'll be fun. So if you have a chance to join us, we would certainly appreciate that. Later here in April, if you're catching in the future, then maybe we'll figure out a way to post that in the link, like the link to 
that in the show notes yeah. later on if you happen to be listening to this after that event has actually occurred. But we definitely appreciate that. We won't do a review request this week. Instead of That's the review, right. forget the review bed, <laughs> go over. Like I said, we'll put a link in the show notes to what this looks like now, the submit link. You can sign up. It's completely free. It's a virtual event. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go anywhere. Just get your PJs on or whatever the case may be. Crack open a beverage of your choice. Sit back, listen to us talk about a sustainable marketing strategy. I think that one's going to be really fun. So yeah, for sure. Excellent. Okay, let's put a button on this one for right now. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. We will catch you hopefully there at the live summit. If not, then we'll catch you on a future episode and we will talk to you everybody soon. Thanks so much for your time, Paul.